0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the fifth quarter studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday, Hump Day, episode 459 of Coach Unplugged, part two of our Coach Boone um, interview. Before we jump into that, go over, stop the treadmill, stop the car, pull over. I want to become a better basketball coach. I want to learn from someone that's been there like me. Um, You know, there's lots of resources. I realize there's lots of resources on the web. Um, I would put our resources and my knowledge and my, you know, I've been there. Um, a lot of, you know, there's, there's, there's resources that are more expensive that have college coaches. There's resources that are cheaper that haven't experienced and haven't coached at the highest level and won consistently like I have over the last 30 years. So um, go over and check it out, ttroops.com for coaches who want to get better. Also, make sure you go over and check out Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. You will not be disappointed. Um, you, <laughs> the only way that you become a better shooter is shooting. Uh, only way that uh, you can do that is to get a machine like that or find a really good friend. So, uh, let's head off to the podcast. Is it better? You, you just don't want them to get the because that rhythm probably goes up 10% if their rhythm and they get it in. So, what is what is the counter? How, what do you teach your boys to do with their men at that point? What do you teach them so they don't get those rhythm threes?
1: Well, as big as uh, a fan I am still today of Dick Ben and Coach Ben, I was also, uh, fortunate to, to meet and watch several Rick Majerus practices. And Coach Majerus would always say that the two best friends of a shooter are room and rhythm. In other words, having space and having the opportunity to step into a shot. So we want to do our best to not allow you to do that, to one, two step. And you say, well, is it better to give up a drive or to give up the shot? Well, it depends on who the player is, and that's where our scouting okay. report individual tendencies come into place if you're we have three distinct and this is where we get really technical okay we have three distinct closeouts that we have and i kind of use old school names but uh if we close out to a driver who cannot shoot then we say that's a rondo closeout, and you've got to be hard and very and i like using nba names because your players love to identify with that yep so we've got a uh We've got to close out hard and very, very short, not okay. letting them drive it. If you're guarding a guy who is a, a dead three, that is just you give him any any room whatsoever, he's drilling at three. We call that a Ray Allen closeout. Probably should call it a Steph Curry closeout today's game. Right. Um, okay. We want to make that guy put it on the floor. I have and one of those in my house. Yeah. That even if he beats us off the dribble, he can't score. Okay. And then the last one obviously is a guy that can do both and we call that a Kobe closeout. Maybe that should be called a KD closeout. And we want to be within a finger touch. So that's a player for the there's a start yeah. with.
0: Okay. And that and so you, I love that. I love the I love the different okay, so those are the three big keys for you. So that so you said you had seven things. Did we miss any?
1: Oh uh, yeah, I think we were up to number four, four. which was okay. no rhythm threes. Number yep. five, no fast break layups. There's nothing that drives me more, and that's the reason we don't press. Because uh, I think if you're going to, pre- and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do. But if you, and that's the beauty of basketball. It's and and I don't want to get right. off our subject too too much. Right. That's what I love about college basketball right now. And I hate that we're trying to make it into a cookie cutter game, right. which is what the NBA is because yep. of the shot clock. Yeah. I really, I, I think thirty seconds has been. It's been an adjustment, but it's been good. And you say, well, we'll adjust to 24. Another topic for another day. Right. But getting back to that. To so note- the no
0: layups. So here's what, here's, what I tell, here's what I tell my boys. It's like, so I gotta, I gotta you got seven. I try to get it down to three. I basically say no layups. No, no paint touches, no layups. What I'm meaning by that is we got to get back. And also our pack has to take care of the paint. So in their yeah. minds, I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone. Right. I say no layups, no layups, no layups, and they know well, what I mean. They mean they, that means no paint touches, and they better not get something in transition either. So I've tried well, to. I've actually put two of your rules into one, just because I'm trying to make it even easier for them. It's like no layups, no paint, no layups. They know what I mean when I say that, like right away.
1: Well, I think that's kind of where the you're building your defense begins is in getting back, and we're going to send two designated guys all the time and sometimes that could be three uh to get back on defense on the rise of the shot okay uh, they're not going to stay around we're not going to rebound according to where you're located on the floor we have two guys that know that they're getting back one gets to the rim one gets to the, basically to we call it the heat up line which is about a step and a half above the top of the key and that's where we want to meet the ball and stop the ball okay um the other three guys know their job is to go rebound. But yep. as soon as that rebound is had by the opponent, they want to turn and immediately start to sprint with total disregard division. Just get back like your hair's on fire and run the paint. Run okay. the paint. Because we're not giving up layups.
0: Okay. So that's five. Um, we got two more. Five.
1: number six would be number six would be no second shots. And Steve, I'm a big believer that if if your guys were in the gym right now playing without you being there and maybe just because you've been coaching them all year, they'd be better. But if you take a group of guys and just go to the gym and play, the first thing they're, they're not going to get back on defense. They've left to their own devices. They're not going to get back on defense. And the second thing they're going to do is they're not going to block out. They're just going to turn to rebound. Right. So I don't care what you teach. If you teach sight and flight, and hit and, and, right. and go, um, yep. if you rebound, whatever, but you better have a plan to not allow second shots, and you better emphasize that plan in everything you do from two-on-two to three-on-three to four-on-four to five-on-five and every single day in practice because defensive rebounding may be the absolute most important thing to being successful. Well, I think all the
0: stuff you're hitting right now is all the analytics. You can't give up layups. You can't give up second shots. It's all the things that the the math basically backs it that these things have to – if you want to be successful – You can't give up layups. You can't give up second shots.
1: And people ask me about analytics all the time. And, you know, I've always – we've always taught analytics. We just didn't have maybe all the numbers as deep. Right. uh, And as – what's the word I'm looking for as intensive as they are today. Um, Right. And and then the last thing is don't foul. Uh, We do not want to foul. And uh, there's nothing you can, you know, we, we want to be going back to the coach night days. We want to be the team uh, that we make more free throws than free throws our opponent shoots. Right. So no fouls. Do not fouls.
0: So I think that's awesome. If you could only do, if you could only do a couple things at practice. Let's say you could. Let's say you're limited, and I and I and I tell you, all right, your practice is tomorrow, and you could only do two or three things at practice. What would be those two or three things that you would emphasize?
1: Something that I didn't really get when I first started coaching, and it took me a while, um, was it's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize, and you know, obviously, I learned that from guys that I had an opportunity to be around, like Coach Bennett, Don Meyer, who right. was the best. The best, yes. Uh, Bob Knight, Rick Majeris, you know, and my 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 junior high school basketball coach, um, who was outstanding. It's not what you teach; it's what you emphasize. So if you told me, I probably wouldn't give you two. I'm always going to give you three because they're the three things we emphasize. And I would hope that if you came and watched us practice, we call it the 10 minute rule. Within 10 to 15 minutes of watching us practice, that you would clearly see that each of these three stand out and the first one would be sureness. We are not going to turn the ball over. And of course in your area, you're very familiar with that term because coach Bennett brought it to fruition and lived by that on a daily basis. And right. we've adopted that. We're the same way. Uh, good teams don't turn the ball over. No. You know, people always say, well, um, games are really very conservatively played in the postseason well there's a reason for that right all the best teams make it in the postseason and they don't turn Turn the ball ball over
0: well and and I I tell the kids and this is the one thing that has caught their attention when I say every time you turn the ball over it's a it's a six-point turnaround it's three points we could score and three points they could score
1: absolutely you do that a
0: couple times and it's just going to kill you and all of a sudden, and I'll do it on the whiteboard, and I'll show them. I'll say, okay, we don't score. They do. We don't score. Look at that big turnaround by us just giving them the ball and us not even getting an attempt at the basket. And then that's that right. finally kind of clicks with them when I show them that. But that's that. literally, if you walk into my practice, that's one of my pet peeves. You can't turn the ball over because it's – it's an,
1: can't turn it over.
0: You can't turn it over.
1: And, you know, we've had a brief amount of time to work with our new team at Fort Smith, and um, that's one of the areas that we really emphasized in our right. our four different workouts we had is we cannot turn the ball over, and we we were doing that a little bit. Right. Um, that leads me to the second thing. You, you said it right there. Um, you turn it over. You don't get a chance, and they get to go down and get a chance to get a good shot to score. The second thing for us is great shot selection. And I'm a firm believer that nothing beats you quicker than bad shots. And bad shots are just what you indicated with a turnover. You take a bad right. shot, you're not getting a chance to score. That's not an opportunity to score. Right. And nine out of ten times, that's a long rebound that they're blowing down the court at the other end. Yeah. And you're giving up a layup, which yep. and violates and another.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: so those two. And then our third one is that we always want to be a team that is that strives to be really really good defensively
0: okay so it's a that's a point i mean obviously you're known for your defense so i I, that wouldn't that would not surprise me walk that would not surprise me walking your practice that leads me to my next question so if i came and saw one of your practices in december and february would they look similar and how do you break up people always ask me this how do you break up your practices if you have to do it in percentages if you could do anything like that how how could you describe that to a to a younger coach that's listening to us
1: yeah that's a that's a great question and it's it's an in-depth answer um, to to kind of scrape the surface here right the biggest difference is if you came to a game or a practice in early december you're probably going to see a practice that's 90 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes uh, maybe two max, depending upon when we played and when the next game is. But right. we're, we're not going long once we get into playing games. You okay. come see a game in February, you're probably going to see a 45-minute practice uh, at most. Really? The, uh, yeah, we're just – I mean, I'm a big believer that fresh fresh lakes are important, fresh minds are more important. Okay. I, I want to keep our players fresh. And consequently, I think that's one of the reasons, uh, I hope it is, that we've been really good in postseason play. You know, this year's team uh, that we had at Delta State, I say this, we were very fortunate that in the middle of January, we defeated the third-ranked team at that time in the country on our court. And I think our players, they didn't feel like they had arrived or anything like that. We had six seniors on our team. They're just ready to get to March. Right. But you can't get to March without taking the care of the rest of January and February. So we lost a couple games we shouldn't have lost. But with right. that being said, and we all say that, you know, games yeah. we should have lost. Maybe we were sp- supposed to lose them, but we lost them. But here's what I do know. Without losing those games and going through that process, that journey, if you will, we don't have the chance to make the run we made in March and win a conference tournament right. championship. Right. Uh, and I also believe because our team was very fresh mentally and, and very fresh physically uh, give us that opportunity uh, early in the se- season, particularly in that December time, uh, our skill development, which is usually the first part of practice will be at least 25 to 30 minutes. Okay. Late in practice, late in the year, that's going to be 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. We, we, We're always going to start practice with something defensive oriented early in the year. That's probably going to be, you know, whether it's one on one driving line, one on one closeouts, two on one closeouts, two on two positioning, something like that. Yep. Um,
0: It's setting the tone. I believe it's setting the tone. I believe in practice at first, that that beginning of it's like it's like my classroom. How how the first five minutes of my AP stats class goes depends on how the rest of the classes go. People need to treat practice the same way. Um, so it's interesting that skill development is early and not quite as much late. How do you how do you deal with shooting? Because I've heard things on shooting later and more shots later than earlier in the season. What's your thought on that?
1: Well, we, we do a couple different things. Obviously, shooting is a big part of our uh, pre-practice where we're – working on skill development. Right. But we also disperse shooting throughout practice. And I think it's important. And, and I want a chaotic, when I say chaotic, that we're moving from one thing to the next thing to the next thing as quickly as possible because that's the way the game's played. So we try to construct practice the way we're gonna play the game. The um uh so so throughout practice, maybe we're gonna go about 16 minutes with either breakdown, 4-on-4, four 5-on-5 four, five and, five, and then all of a sudden we're going to go with a two minute pair up and shoot and drip. Okay, And then we're going to shoot free throws and we have our guys all dispersed at the side and main court buckets and um, we want them really locking in on shooting free throws and we'll have our water break at that point where water is dispensed to their baskets and so we're not losing any time. And then right. We're right back into the next thing whatever that might be and i don't want to i don't i'm not spending a lot of time talking Um, okay right now one of the things i'm going through with our group is simply telling them you're 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 not going to remember a lot of the things that we're doing but what you will remember is this we're teaching you how to practice this is how we practice right um getting into the next thing quickly i'm not going to sit there and say i want you here you here, your garden no you guys figure it out (laughs) And echo yells are huge with us so that if I call out a drill, so for instance, if I say, I want four baskets, one-on-one closeouts, then our team should echo one-on-one closeouts, which is another form of communication that we emphasize to get. I love that.
0: I love that. Um,
1: But again, I, you, you nailed it. And I agree totally with you. That first part of practice sets the tone for the rest of practice late in the year. We might not do quite as much, um, breakdown things that's where we'll cut back on but we will do either a four on four or five on five hey
0: everybody i hope you're enjoying that um if you could right now leave us a review even if it's just a five-star review that's great or if it's a written review i read every one of them they do mean a lot to us no matter where you listen especially on itunes um also make sure you go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better we're all kind of creeping up we can see basketball season off there in the in the horizon. Um can't imagine a better time to come join before the, all the changes that are gonna be happening happen. Um also if you would like to help us out um any shop do any shopping in Amazon you can click our Amazon link down below and that would be one way um every time you purchase something we get a a little uh little kickback and you know as an affiliate link. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Let's get back to it.
1: As whole method defending what our upcoming opponent uh, the actions that they most commonly do, but Right. keep this in mind: we've been doing those things, guarding those actions since September. Okay. So hopefully, we're a lot better at them.
0: Yeah, than we're and talking. and 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 so going into so so leaving practice for a second. So how much how much time do you spend in practice for your opponents? Um, you know, and how much and how much do you expect them to remember from the scout? Because I know. We, we, the world's changed. I used to do VHS tapes and scouting. Now it's all up in the cloud, and the kids can watch all the games and get breakdowns of their opponents, and even at the high school level. So, wh- how much time do you spend on that in pra- on your opponent in practice? And then, how much do you expect them to know? Um, is it just personnel? Is it out of bounds plays? Is it their quick hitters? Kind of what do you expect a Division two player to be able to do?
1: Uh, we don't get caught up in plays as much as we do guarding specific actions. Okay. And, uh, so, like, maybe your team that runs 12 to 15 set plays, but those 12 to 15 set plays can be, you know, boiled down to if they represent these three or four actions. Okay. So we might work on those three or four actions in that in that initial early practice period before we get into doing some of the things that we do. Okay. Uh, Ourselves, in other words. Uh, But getting back to your question about the scouting report, Steve, uh, I haven't changed in this from day one uh, 34 years ago. Each of our players has a notebook, and I have them write the scouting report down. Now, again, our scouting report's not all about the plays they run and all that kind of stuff. Our scouting report deals mostly in um, the tendencies of the individual's and how we want to close out to them. So on our board, it's listed, you know, player A, this this is our closeout to him. It's a Kobe closeout. Here are the things he does well. Here is how he scores. This is what we're trying to take away. And then we list the uh, two or three players that could potentially guard him during the course of the game. Okay. Another reason that we don't like to switch is because I feel like if you're switching You know, I'm guarding a guy that's a great three-point shooter. And now I switch to a guy who's a driver. And in the heat of the battle, the flow of the game, I'm supposed to be able to be cognizant of this and understand that now my closeout's totally different. Right. That's what we really refer to in maintaining the integrity of our matchup. Um, So that's basically what we do with the scout. Okay. And once we start working in practice, and we'll do some little things, like maybe they have a great driver. He's just a guy that can really penetrate for others off the dribble. We'll do a lot of five-on-four defense where we've got a player or a coach designated to be a driver. He's unguarded, and we're working on pinching the gaps and making him make the next pass as opposed to allowing him to get in the paint and make plays. Or maybe we're guarding a guy who's a great shooter. So we put a yellow practice jersey on him for that day, and our guys have to do a great job of closing out to him as a – as a Ray Allen, close out a dead three, close out of getting up under his chin, and not allowing him to get a three and put the ball on the floor. And even if he beats us off of that on the dribble, we're not as concerned with that. We're not going to give up a catch and shoot three to him.
0: Right. So I, I think that's
1: the kind of things that we work on.
0: I think the the non-switch thing, and I and I've done this too. Is it makes them more accountable. Like
1: absolutely. Without <laughs> this question, is,
0: this is your guy and you just got beat to the reason you're sitting next to me is you just got beat. Otherwise it's like, well, we were supposed to switch. We were supposed to do that. It's like, what are you talking about? That's your guy. You should have fought through that screen. He turned, he, he got a direct line drive. Why didn't you step, you know, I know someone's supposed to be there to help, but that's still your guy initially. I think especially with teenage boys, the accountability aspect is huge.
1: Uh, I think accountability is an important part of every program, whether you're an NBA team or a, you know, a high school or junior high school team, right? Accountability.
0: Yeah. Um, so what? So what do you look for in a recruit? Like if you're if you're if you're going, I'm sure last weekend was a big weekend for you, or the weekend before. So you're looking at a kid. What What do you look for in a recruit? I mean, I, I think this is. I always talk to my boys about. You know, this is what they're looking for, and I, I want to see if I'm on. If I'm on the right page, I think I am.
1: We're probably a little bit different than some people. Um, You know, I try not to get seduced by talent. The number one thing that we look for is character. And if, if we have character, then we can move to trying to recruit someone who's going to fit our culture. Right. And for us, Steve, culture is the most important thing. It's more important than the X's and O's or defense. It is our defense. People ask right. me all the time, um, <laughs> you know, the exes knows about the pack line and pack line. really not an exes and those thing. It's a, uh, it's a way of life. Right. It's a uh, culture. It's who yeah. we are. <laughs> yes. Um, so when, for us, after we talk about character, culture comes down to hard work, toughness, passion, and unity. So we want guys who are going to um, be workers. Right. And, you know, I want to see that on the court, but I also want to see it in practice. Somebody told me the other day, said, well, you really need to take a look at this kid because um, he's a gamer. You right. Know, he's not the best practice guy, but come game night, well, that guy's probably not going to be really good for us. Right, um, right. It's just he, he doesn't fit who we are.
0: Yeah. You, you, um, I, I always say I want the Clydesdale. I don't want the thoroughbred sometimes. You're like, I, I want know, the one that just- I can – You know, I I can wrap it up. We're gonna go do. We're gonna go plow the field, and we're gonna get the work done. Even though the thoroughbred can, it looks pretty and can do, and they might win a lot of the races. But you know, I want that one that's gonna come and do the work every day. That's. I mean, I'm always. You know, maybe it's because I'm in Wisconsin, the Clydesdales, but that's actually (laughs) that's actually St. Louis. But uh, I'm always talking about you know doing that extra stuff. Um, What would you tell yourself as a younger coach? I always love asking, especially college coaches, what. What would you tell yourself? What would you tell yourself thirty years ago if you could? If you could have a time machine, go back and talk to yourself.
1: Well, what I'm going to say to you probably is, um, you're like, really? That's it. Um, And I say this at clinics because it really would be what I would say to me. And I feel like I was at the time. I felt like I was really good at these things, but 34 years later, I look back and say. No, you weren't right. Um, Number one would be less is more. It's not how much you do. It's what you do. And more importantly, it's that you, uh, it fits you and, and you can teach it. And then for me, uh, the second thing we've already talked about, it's not what you teach. It's what you emphasize.
0: Right. And I think it's important. I really personally think it's important to be able to, you know, this is the problem you go to a clinic and you get all these great things and blah blah. blah. you got to figure out what fits you and what you can convey to the, to the kids you need to know everything as a coach I need to know how to do a zone I need I need to know everything the boys don't the boys need to know what we're gonna do and that's all they need they don't need to know everything the coach does you need to know all the aspects or if someone's trying to get you out of the pack you need to know all the counters but the boys don't need that. So that's, I think sometimes the issue is we try to grab all these things and it's, you're right. It's, it's what you emphasize and how you can kind of narrow it down. Um, so well, well, I'll
1: go one step further. I really okay. think that fits you. That goes to you as well. Um, you know, and I think this is a great example. I love the Nike clinics. And one of the reasons I love them, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a buffet line of basketball, right? So you know, if you're, You're going to hear differing philosophies, differing styles of play and differing ways of getting to those styles. And so maybe you hear something, wow, I really like that. That that would be a great drill. I love how that drill works. And then you realize it doesn't fit your team. It doesn't fit your scheme. It doesn't fit you and how you teach. So it's, as you said, I do like seeing how other people go about it. I think that's important that we understand that. You know, if you right. want to attack a zone, it's good to know how people are going to go about setting that zone up. Your players don't need to know that, as you right. said. But you need to know it. Yeah. But you don't need to complicate the issue. And I think there was a time in my career where I did that. You know, right. that said, hey, um, man, I, could- I love this. You know, Carolina is a yeah. uh, scramble defense. This is great, boy. We can – Yeah, it doesn't fit us. It's not who we are.
0: I think I think, and you and I are old, or a kind of old porch dog kind of. I mean, I I know what I know, and I don't need to. I think when you're young, you're trying to prove that you know. I can do all these things. It's like yes, less. I think what you said really hit it. Less is more. Teach them, you know, teach them how to do it, and 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 maybe it's the teacher in me. I'm not going to teach them eighteen. I'm going to teach them. Here's one method to solve this quadratic. Do it this way. If you want another method, I can teach you one, but I'm going to teach you this one. You're going to get really good at it, and then we can broaden your horizons a little bit. I think that's really um, important.
1: Yes, and I, I, I love that.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, but, I think – so. okay, so I love asking this question. Can you think of a coaching moment because you've coached so long that you could dive into that our audience could learn from, either a mistake or something that good that happened or something along yeah, the lines yeah. – that you, we could dive into? I always love asking this question because I get different responses. Like, I think that's a great just, question. Yeah, Nathan. just something we, we could dive this, into.
1: And this this really uh, was great for me. Two years ago, uh, our team at Delta State, we started the year with great promise. And before we ever played a game, we lost three starters to injury. <sighs> so we were, you know, we don't have 10-day contracts. We can't call somebody <laughs> up. Right. Um, it is what it is. Uh, we don't have walk-ons that are, you know, on our team that at that point in time we're capable of playing, so right. this is our team. Uh, we had to play some guys that were not ready to play yet, really young guys. And a lot of times as coaches, we have a tendency to, um, what's the words I'm looking for, um, be too negative, right? pick them apart, um, be and I don't want to say too demanding because demanding I think is really important, but I really felt with that team, the most important thing for us is that we needed to be ultra positive to keep them headed in the right direction and understand that every day let's don't get discouraged because of a loss or a setback. And if we do happen to come through and get a win, let's don't get too high. Let's just, Let's just keep working through the process to become a better basketball team. Right. And we didn't win very many games that year in November and December. Uh, and, you know, you're hearing a lot from fans, parents, girlfriends, right. people in the arms. I'm sure it was tough on our guys. And that's where our culture came into play. We had guys, and I've heard Coach Bennett say this, and this wasn't a situation where we were starting a new program but I thought it was really important. Uh, he, you know, Coach always said when you're starting a program, you need to recruit guys you can lose with first. You know, guys who are going to when you lose, right. what you're going to do if you're going right. to go through tough times. That they stay true to you and they stay true to their your culture and who you are, and um, come every day ready to work. Right. And that team did that. So that's my would be my message is that. I don't know that I could have done that, Steve, uh, uh, you know, 15 years ago. I probably would have been, you know, pulling my hair out, going crazy. Oh, and I just I know. Been overbearing and pushing those guys thinking, hey, we'll just do more, work harder, and we'll get better. Yep. I, for I, us, it was just keep focusing on what we're doing and keep working to get better. The moral of the story is that we won seven of our last ten games and played for a conference championship, uh, and lost a really tough, close game in double overtime. Held like three teams that were averaging over 85 points a game to under 60 uh, during right. that run. So it's um, it taught me a very valuable lesson, and it, it did it 32 years into my <laughs> career, but a very valuable lesson that I'll
0: never forget. Right, and I've I've experienced this, I've had injury. Here's what I've, it's hard. It's like, I remember early in my career, it's like you'd have a lot I'd take every loss so hard and it would be like,
1: and all that stuff. And I think
0: as As you get, I still take it hard, but I, I, I think as you get older, you put things a little bit more in perspective. But what I always tell the team, and this is where I've learned over the last probably 10 years is when an injury happens, I have so much empathy for the kid and I feel so bad for it. But the issue is it opens a door for another kid at that point. And it's like, are you going to, are you going to take the opportunity that just happens? Because this one, unless it's like an ACL or something, this kid's going to come back. You know, we're going to be that much better because now you're going to get all this experience. This kid was probably maybe a starter and now he's going to come back. We're going to be better in, in three weeks when, when all this kind of settles down. So that's the way I kind of build it. It's like this is bad. Bad things happen in life. It's inevitable. Change is inevitable. But how are we going to deal with it? Is not. It's okay. We got somebody that can step in for the time being, or maybe you know, permanent. Who knows? So I think that's. I yeah, I agree that I've I've experienced that recently too. Um, So talk about coaching your son. I know we got on that for a little bit, but.
1: Well. I I will tell you that it was one of the best things of of my life. And uh, as a coach and as a father, I wouldn't trade it for anything whatsoever. I think, if anything, it made uh, our relationship so much closer. Uh, There's probably nights his mother didn't like it as much or appreciated (laughs) it as much. Um,
0: Hey, Coach, I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, make sure you leave a review. We really do love those written reviews. Those five-star ones are the best one stars you can forget to do it. Also go over and check out teachrips.com for coaches who want to get better. Not only does it get resources and handouts and videos, it's a little bit of everything for a coach that wants to get better. So go over and check it out. Also down below um, am- click our Amazon link and uh, that helps us uh, with our hosting fees. I think little the little things that come up with running a podcast.
1: Sport Social Podcast Network